Hey guys, this week we feature Jason Thompson, Joe Wells, and John Agee of Vast Robot Armies. They tell us the origin of the unusual name, how they all met. We revisit some old sitcoms, we get a recipe for some dank-ass nachos, we talk about Mothman sightings, and recording their latest album with Jordan Zetorosny of Blink of the Star, and having Kelly Scott from Failure on drums. I throw in a story or two as well. So follow them on social media at Vast Robot Armies. Give us a follow at Performance ANX on Twitter and Instagram if you want any merchandise, which is pretty awesome. Check it out at performanceanx.threadless.com. Now pay close attention to this one because it gets really busy really fast. Enjoy Vast Robot Armies on Performance Anxiety. This is Vast Robot Armies on Performance Anxiety. Like that, or like what? what that sounded what, like a that sounded like a question, Joe. I yeah, didn't do that right. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of confused on, on the, what the delivery like, is here. How you doing, Mark? Doing great. Now, now that I'm off of work, how you guys doing? I hear that. Pretty good. I'm pretty right good. Yeah, uh, I hope I wasn't bothering you too much at work. This I is, was. Uh, I was creeping your profile, and I thought you did like a sports show or something. I did. Well, he, all right. Here's I'll give you a brief history of of, of of my podcast history. I guess I started off writing for um, on the side for a, a, a blog, and it was all about watch, the Washington Redskins. I'm not a big Washington Redskins fan, but I'm a big college football fan. And uh, my buddy st- started writing. He is a big. My buddy Mike is a big. Redskins fan, and he started writing uh, for this blog. Draft time was coming up, and they're like, hey, we want some uh, uh, profiles of some of the guys that are coming up in the draft. So he didn't know much. He's like, you want to do it? You know, We'll post it under your name. And I'll, yeah, sure, no problem. So I try to throw a bunch of humor into it, <clears throat> and uh, they liked it. So they said, hey, we want you guys to do a podcast. So... We started doing a podcast based on DC sports. We got a, a one of the a, a former uh, Redskin to, to uh, co-host with us, and got picked up by the local ESPN affiliate, and so they're they're putting it out for us. And then they sold the company, and that went completely away. Uh, okay. So a friend of mine out in LA said I mentioned it to him that it was going away, and he was like, "Oh, that's awesome! Oh, thanks, asshole." <laughs> <laughs> so, so I was like, he's like, no, no, no. I wanted, I want to do a podcast with. Him. Okay, sure. So he's like, I got a buddy of mine. He's a producer for Comedy Central, and I think we could do a, a comedic sports podcast. So oh, cool. Yeah. So we started doing that, and then uh, my buddy Mike ended up leaving because his work was getting a little too demanding, and he just didn't have time. So it ended up being the three of us, and then. Um, we did it for we did we did exactly 100 episodes of that one. We did about 103 of the first one, 100 of that one, and then um, right around we got into the, like the late 90s episodes, and they're like, we we decided we're going to reboot it because we just we only talk sports like a third of the time. The yeah. rest is all, all <laughs> BS and shit, you know stuff. My I think I think as many co- podcasts are they they begin at about a topic and quickly trail off there's oh, yeah. a there's a podcast i listen to that's supposedly about horror films but they talk about everything 
So oh yeah. Well, we decided instead of just keep continuing to go on with this charade of a show, we're just going to take like a month or so off. We'll, we're going to throw out other ideas to each other and just kind of figure out how we want to reboot it, and then we'll start it off as something completely different. That way, we don't. Because if somebody's looking for a podcast and they want humor, they look at Eight Ball Sports Show. They're thinking sports, and you know, our right. our stats were completely made up. Um, the, half the time we were talking about what was going on I, on the set of my buddy's show, and it's just most of the time it just wasn't about sports anyway. So, gotcha. <laughs> we weren't pulling in the audience that we were trying <laughs> for, I guess. So we're gonna reboot it. Mean, meanwhile, cool. I started doing this one. And I've got about 60 episodes out of this one. So. Yeah, I've, uh, I've listened to a couple episodes in the last couple days. Oh, uh, awesome. Yeah, I listened to the uh, Alan Johannes episode. Oh, that was great. That kind of, honestly, I was, I was aware of who he, who he was, but it sent me down kind of a rabbit hole. Oh, man, you, you can just go on, onto his Instagram page and you go down a rabbit hole. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I ended up uh, I ended up watching that film on Prime. Oh yeah, uh, which was fantastic. Um, it really with, was. With uh, you know all the Cornell and Hami interviews. Yeah, and and you know it was very heavy, but very very good. It really was. It it was it was very good. I'm, I'm I didn't actually get the chance to watch it until after I interviewed him. Oh. That's cool. So it, actually. It, Reference one of your podcasts, always with the drum tracking, and it was on yours when he was talking about the Jenny Lane story, wasn't he? Yes, <laughs> I yes. love that. So, I uh, and then he, yeah, he <laughs> saw him like in his hometown or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the best part of it, it resonated with me so much because it's like, like I was an only child, but at the same time, the concept of brothers, especially being close in age, just like find it hilarious. And when he Not breaks, only did I sleep with her, but the whole band yeah. did. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! That that. Do you know the weird thing is, those first few episodes. That was probably the third or fourth episode I had re- recorded and done. I recorded a bunch back to back, bang, 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 got them all done. I, sure. I was trying to get ten done before I started releasing them. I right. got that makes f- that makes total sense. Yeah, well, I tried to. I got like three or four done before I could even really listen back to them, and so I listened to them. I, the first one was Steve Turner uh, from Mud Honey, and then I did uh, Jordan and Kelly on Robert Roth, and then uh, uh, Che Amid Dorval. And as okay. as I was listening to them, I realized that as soon as I or anybody else backed a little bit away from the microphone. I had a noise gate on here on this program somewhere, and as soon as they backed away, it clipped it. And so each of those episodes, there's gaping holes in those. So I had to stitch them all together to try to make some kind of cohesive show out of it. And I was was so pissed off because there was so much in there that... As you would be. Yeah, yeah, because I'm sitting there freaking out going, oh, shit. You lost a little bit of content. Yeah, and I'm like... Oh my god! And I, I didn't even know there was a noise gate. I'm trying to figure out. I'm like googling. Why is my stuff not working? Why? Why is all the stuff getting clipped off? And it said, "Oh, did you check the noise gate?" I'm like, "Where? Where? There, there's no noise gate button on this thing." Where? So oh, you got to go this and check that. I'm like, oh my god! So then I had to do a little some tests because I had used this program 
for the sports show and never had a problem with it. But I'm always speaking directly into a microphone and my buddies record their end on their, you know, in, in L.A. And then they send me the file and I just made the two in, in the computer. So it was never a problem. Right. So once I started recording other people and myself, you know, just trying to look at my notes and moving around, it just became an issue. I'm like, oh, jeez. So I finally found it and figured out what was going on. And then it became too sensitive. So then I've got all kinds of background noise. And I think I finally, 60-something episodes in, I think I figured it out. Nice. Well, based off of what I listened to, you stitched it up pretty, pretty well. Oh, thank you. It's just, oh, it was so sad when I would pull up the file and you see all these waveforms and then a flat line for like, little dips. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, not even did yeah. it. It was just beep flat line for like thirty <laughs> seconds. I'm like, oh god. Man, that sucks. Yeah, and I, I had a uh, Robert Roth, and then he did a lot of stuff with Jim Carroll and also that was I, I missed like half of that was gone. So that, that sucked. But anyway, so I've got all three of you guys on here tonight. This is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't exactly expecting that. That's very rarely am I able to get everybody in the band together. Uh, it, was, it worked out nicely. It's so nice that Joe decided to wear a tank top to uh, the podcast. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I could have pretended and said my camera was messed up too. But. <laughs> well, There's never a reason for a guy to wear a tank top to a podcast, Joe. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's no video on a podcast. It's a podcast. I'm, but I'm looking now at everybody it. has to know. That but I'm now they know. know. But now they know. Yeah, now they all know. Now I kind of feel like I should take my shirt off. There we go. Hey, just man, a couple buttons. Just do a couple it. buttons. <laughs> just let it breathe a little bit. Yeah, oh, I'm getting tempted. We'll see. We'll see how what kind of a turn this podcast takes as it goes. So, all right. So, you guys are vast robot armies. Now, before we get too deep into anything, Jason has the most interesting accent. So, oh, oh, do That's I now? True. <laughs> I mean, perfect. Well, and VRA was a thing before we were here with you. So, all right. Well, and we'll never forget the, the fact that my mom was like, "Is he British?" <laughs> uh, we'll get into accents at some point time. I have a theory about how well John could pretty much own all of Pembroke because of his accent. Basically. Oh, sweet! <laughs> but I, I prefer hey, I'm, to I'm dying do that to at the back. end. Yeah. All right. So ex- now you guys are at this point going to have to introduce yourselves to everybody since I have all three of you, and it's going to be all of Vast Robot Armies. So who do I have on the line with me? Got Jason Thompson, um, and I'm one of the singers, guitarists, and keyboardists of the band. John Ag and Joe Wells. <laughs> All right, <laughs> you guys just hang around. So, yeah, we just hang around. Yeah. Utility guys <laughs> do everything from change light bulbs, <laughs> change out tape reels. You know, take out the trash. You know, every once Apparently, in a while. That's all, that's my new job as I taking out the trash. Now. <laughs> All right, man. What are you? What are you guys drinking? I see. Uh, I'm drinking uh, this lovely hazy IPA that Joe left at my apartment last night. Actually, it's exactly what I'm drinking. Oh man, it's uh, from Offshoot Brewing Co. It's uh, this. It's called Relax. It's a hazy IPA that they do. It's delicious. Okay. Yeah. I'm Jordan. not big into IPAs, but I'll give it a shot. I do like this Ghost. Uh, yeah, this one's a little different. The hazy's a lot more. Uh, I don't know, full, fuller bodied, I guess. Uh, okay. A little muted on the bitterness. Oh, see that? Well, the, st- the, the style came from New England 
and it's you know it still has all the flavors of the hops, but it's not as bitter. So, yeah. oh, see, that's good. That, that's it's, it's kind of catered to you know non IPA drinkers. I would say that, but you might dig it. That's definitely me because I don't. I that's what turns me off is is the uh, bitterness. I like right. I like sours. I, oh, me too. I, I love them. Yeah, we had some good sours up in Pembroke actually. Yeah, so you guys were just up. Uh, in Pembroke with former podcast guest and occasional podcast co-host Jordan Zetarozny's studio. Right. Just a week and a few days ago. Man. So I'm assuming that means there's some new music coming out. There is. Um, So we were up there working on 12 songs for about eight days. Um, And we're just in the beginning stages of mixing right now. Like Jordan's got shows coming up, so we're not harassing him about that at this point, but <laughs> I'll harass him for you. I got like the day it. after his shows, really like, mixes. So how the mix coming along? It hasn't come to <laughs> harassment yet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so 12 songs in eight days. That sounds really hurried. Is that the way you yeah. guys normally well, do things or? Well, we were fortunate enough to have the drum tracks already finished. So we did, we just skipped over drum days, basically. Yeah. That's because you guys had another former podcast guest, Kelly Scott, doing the drums, right? Correct. Now, did he, he, he did his tracks in L.A., so. Okay. That was what I wanted to know. And so he just, what do you guys, so what do you guys send him for him to do the drum tracks? So we sent him stem files, basically from the demos that we had done, and okay. then he and uh, an engineer down there named Gabe kind of worked on like weekend sort of things where they grab like three songs and then figure out out of the demos, what was most in time to the click. And then he would play it and straighten it all out. And then we eventually re-engineered everything around his drum tracks. Oh, wow. That's pretty wild. Yeah. So is there a reason in particular you guys chose Kelly? Um, (sighs) I don't think there's any one specific reason. Like for the last two records, we've been working with a guy named Chris Metcalf who plays in a band called the life and times. Right. Um, based at Chicago. Um, you know, we've known Chris for years and been fans of his work. Um, this whole record, we kind of went into it and we wanted to change things up because we've been doing like the last two records. We'd go to Chicago. We'd all meet up like every 18 months or so, you know, we'd all kind of surface and start like, emailing each other saying, all right, we got a bunch of songs and then, you know, I'll throw them back and forth to John and Joe and we'll work on vocal ideas and flesh them out. And then we'd all meet up and we'd meet up with Chris and Alan Epley and Eric Abert work on the records. And we'd usually have two days of like jamming with Chris. So we kind of, it was more of an organic sort of thing, but we really wanted to change this time. Like I think we wanted to kind of challenge ourselves because, you know, after you do like, I'd done four records with Alan at this point. So I was just like, I need, and I love Alan, in case he ever listens to this. What do you, whatever. <laughs> but it was like, and he understood. It's like, you just sometimes, you know, you need to kind of like throw yourself into the fire and kind of like, you know, just see what you're capable of in a different way. Yeah, you need some kind of external stimulation, something that's going to change things up for you, move you yeah, forward. Exactly. And with Kelly, like, I knew that he did stuff like this. And there's an appeal with Kelly because he's a very different drummer than Chris. Like, Chris is an awesome drummer. Um, he tends to, he plays behind the beat, like, incredibly well. 
Kelly kind of tends to have a natural um, push to his drumming, which is great, and it really lends itself well to our stuff. Like, it slides it a little bit more, so I was really into that idea. Okay. So how did you guys hook up with Jordan in the first place to get everything going? Because you used him on uh, Dinner Music too to mix, right? Was it, was it to mix? Yeah, it was to master. master um, there you go. Yeah, it's interesting because and I was talking to Jordan about this while we we're up there, and uh, I didn't really like, you know, I grew up in in Canada and in Ontario, so you know, I'm well versed with the can rock thing that's been going on since like you know late '80s, early '90s. Right. And I kind of heard of Blink of the Star, but it wasn't until like mid '90s, and it was some other friends of mine from Kansas City because I've always had a connection with Kansas City, Missouri, as far as some of my old bands. We'd go down there and tour. They're like, there's an awesome band up there. You've got to go see. And they referred me to Blink of the Star. So he was always kind of on my radar. Oh, and I just found it ironic that I had to hear about it from someone in middle America. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was telling Jordan, like, he's got a real interesting fan base down there. Like, everyone's dialed into his stuff. Like, right to Shiloom, Blink oh, of the yeah. Star. Like, they know who he is. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I've, I've found him through, uh, oh, how did that, I've, there was a record store down by my house when I, where, when I lived in New Jersey. And um, they would have all kinds of promos and, and stuff there. And, and I was huge into a big failure fan. And they would have all the promos and used CDs from the local college radio stations. And they would all be real cheap. And so they would have boxes against the wall. They would have literally thousands and thousands of CDs just, just thumb through. And I picked one up just... I guess it was, I was just the name was intriguing. So I picked up Blink of the Star and I looked on the back and I saw, you know, uh, Ken Andrews on there, Greg Edwards and Kelly. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I got I got to get this because when I find a band that I like, I'm a completist. If any right. project they're involved in, I'm like, I got to grab it. And so that's this how I sounds familiar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I picked up Bourgeois Kitten and I just love that album. And years later, when social media started actually becoming a real thing, I started throwing out friend requests to some bands that I like just to try to follow them and keep up with some of the things that they were doing. Uh, because bands like Blink or the Star, if, if you're not searching for them, you, you're not hearing what's coming out. And so I figured the best sure. way for me to stay you know, in, in the loop with them is to see if I can get a friend request with them and, and, and uh, keep track of them that way. So I sent one to Jordan. And uh, and he accepted, and one day he threw out this. Uh, it was a YouTube video. He posted something from Truly Blue Flame Ford, I think it was, off the Fast Stories from Kid Coma album. And I was friends with Robert Roth on Facebook as well. So he, Jordan's just being effusive in praise about him. This guy's a genius. I don't know why they were never bigger. I, I said, Hey, uh, Robert, this this dude that I really whose music I really like loves your stuff. You guys aren't friends. You mind if I hit you, you know, connect you guys. And he, Robert's like, yeah, sure. Whatever. So I sent them both a friend request. And like a month later, Jordan's like, Hey, I'm producing uh, the new, the next truly single. It's like the first thing they've done in 15, 20 years. So I'm pretty proud of that one. That's awesome. Nice. <laughs> and at that point, you know, uh, Jordan and I would, just message once in a while when I saw something that he posted interest that was interesting. And, and at this point now we, we just talk like every day. So, right. So it's been pretty cool. And that's how I found you guys was through Jordan 
watching his posts of the sessions that you guys were were doing. And so I, I listened to the little tiny clips. I'm like, man, these guys sound really good. I went back to Bandcamp and started listening to all the older stuff. I'm like, these guys are really good. So that's when I threw out to Jordan. I said, maybe I should have these guys on the show. He's like, yeah, you have to. All right, let's <laughs> do it. Awesome. So thank you guys for coming on. Yeah, thank you so much for the thank you for the praises. Yeah, well, I love it. You guys have a a bit of an early failure sound to you, which I love. Maybe I I hear a little like maybe quicksand in there. Oh yeah, maybe medicine, maids of gravity, stuff stuff that I love in my real formative years of listening to music when I was figuring out what I really liked. And and your sound is very reminiscent of that, and I love it. Cool, man. Thanks. So it started off as a one-man project with you, Jason, right? Yeah. So I had been in a band called Sometimes Live for like 14 years, and I was the singer-drummer of that band. And that was like the band that I would like tour around and do things with. And near the end of it, I kind of just didn't want to play drums anymore. And I kind of wanted to have – like it's tough being a singing drummer that writes songs because <laughs> – you're a singing drummer that writes songs. So, <laughs> yeah. so you know, much to the chagrin of my old bandmates at the time, I was like, I think, you know, we've run our course. Like, we, the last record we did was like the best thing we did. It's like, okay, let's end on this note. And I literally, I got like the GarageBand app for my iPhone. And I was at a friend of mine's house who's also a musician. And I happened to like make a drum loop and a guitar line. And I was just like, I can do this. I can just totally be a one-man band, thinking this is the best idea I've ever had. <laughs> and, uh, so I wrote, like, a, wrote Goodnight Myopia, and I went down to record it, and like right around day six, I was like, this is the worst idea I've ever had. <laughs> one thing you never realize when you're a one-man band is you're the only fucking guy that's doing anything. So you never have a moment to sit and listen to what's happening. You're just... Constantly, okay, I got to do bass track this song. Oh, I got to do guitar track. Oh, I got to sing here. Oh, and then, like, it's just you and, like, two engineers. And you're just like, I feel really alone. Like, it was, oh, I'm man. glad I did it, but it was. And not was, as much constructive criticism, probably. Yeah, and I, I'm not really a good player. So it just, it has this <laughs> you didn't have over, to tell us, Jay. It has this overarching kind of. I'm kidding. I'm interesting <laughs> suckage that goes on with it. And that record. But yeah, and then basically what happened after that was uh, I put that out and I guess John and I were talking about this last week. The old drummer from his other band, Sundiver, he, you know, he's got his finger on the pulse and like likes to listen to new music. told John about my band and John kind of got into it. And it was funny because prior to that, one of my other friends from Kansas City is like, you got to check out this band, Sundiver. So I had been a fan of the Sundiver band for like probably a year. Okay. And after I released Goodnight Myopium, decided, you know what, I really need to kind of turn this into like something that's not just me because, you know, it's going to be a lot better if it's not just me. And so I reached out to John saying, hey, do you want to maybe work on some stuff? And we kind of chatted at, over the course of an afternoon. And then 
week later, he's like, hey, do you want, mind if I bring my guitarist and my other band, Joe, over? And I'm like, no. And then, boom. And within, like, four months, they came up here to Toronto. And that's when Failure was doing their first reunion tour. Oh, we yeah. We all went to the Fender show, and we jammed for the first time in Toronto. Right. And a whole bunch of other things happened, but it was a, a cool trip. And then with uh, Little Creatures. That, and I've been listening to that a lot today. That, I think that album up so far, I haven't heard any of the new stuff. That's got my favorite song on it. it it's uh, The Other Room. I absolutely oh, cool. love that song. Ah. I love how it ends. That like nice. ethereal, ghostly chorus at the end. That's just, that's fantastic. I love it. That is- That's an Alan Epley special. So yes. They had a lot to do with how that song ended. They, you know, I highly recommend you go and check out the Life and Time stuff because it's well worth the dive. If you're really into that 90s kind of thing and everything we were talking about prior to this. Oh, yeah. Shiner and the Time Investigation. I've so, heard of the but, Life and Times. I, I don't know if that I've heard, heard their music, but I've heard of them. Yeah, and that has a lot of other elements too, you know, like Radiohead, Flaming Lips, shit oh, like that. Cool. But, yeah. So what's what's behind the name Vast Robot Armies? Because <laughs> it sounds kind of ironic when if you started as a one yeah, yeah. as a one man okay. band, you know, yeah. like the bass drum on your back and the accordion and the cymbals on your feet. So, <laughs> real story. And I've massaged it into it. It sort of makes sense because to that point, like, you know, a lot of this stuff was just written on GarageBand. So it's like, yeah, it's like a, a vast robot army of musician stuff on one man band kind of thing. But really what happened was at the time I was doing a lot of Internet dating and there was this chick that had the username vast robot army. So I thought, you know what, I'm just going to say this. And I typed in saying, you know. I'd like to go out for drinks with you, but if we don't, I'm stealing your username for my ma- next band title. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> this was on Christian Mingle, right? Yeah. <laughs> I was waiting for Grinder. That's it. Yeah. I've got a great story surrounding it, but it's funny. Like, band names are weird. There was actually a moment when we're all up in Pembroke and we're at this place called Ulrich's buying a bunch of food for one of our oh. barbecues and people in Pembroke are super nice. And they're asking John going, what's your band name? And I could see him struggling to want to say it. There's <laughs> <laughs> a level of embarrassment and a level of, there's a lot of syllables and I can't enunciate it. Uh, like I recognize that from going, Oh, I bet you if like if this was our first record, there'd be a vote to change the band name at this point. But yeah. <laughs> so we can't. Man, you know, it's it's funny because I hear that from a lot of bands that the hardest part was actually coming up with a band name, uh, one that either hasn't been taken or one that isn't just stupid. And I can't. Oh, I it's, like, so, it's so tough. <laughs> I like Bass yeah. Robot Armies. I think it's a great name. Uh, the guy I was talking to was Ian Everett from the band Solid Bronze, and he's, he's just like, we just, we came up with that. He's like, it's just the one that stuck because everything else we tried was taken. So like, we came up with Solid Bronze. It was the only one we we found that didn't, that wasn't taken. So it, that's what it was. 
Yeah. Well, we can we can relate. There's uh, there's like three other sun divers that have popped up on Spotify within oh, the wow. past five years now. Yeah. Oh wow. Uh, yeah. Well, if you guys are ever looking for something, I've I was in a band. I'm going to loosely call it a band. In the in the 90s. me who had never taken guitar lessons, my buddy Ed who had never taken bass lessons, and my friend Scott who had never taken drum lessons, and we didn't have any cymbals. I have to uh, mute you guys for a minute because my kid's freaking out, so I'm going to be muted. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> that's not the that's not the the worst thing we, I've ever had happen in, on this stuff. But we called ourselves Super Karate Monkey Death Car. So, wait, wait, say that again. Wait, slowly. Yeah. Super Karate Monkey Death Car. Nice car. And that, yeah. Okay. Um, where did that come from? Um, I there was um. There was a show back in the early mid '90s with Taya Leone in it. I'm trying okay. to I'm trying to remember what yeah. this show was called. She was a, like a reporter or something, and that was like a headline or something or, or, or a, some part in a, in a in one of the stories. Somebody was was killed by this super karate monkey death car. So I'm like. That's brilliant. I love it. So we were, we were taking coaching. it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, and I knew we kind of knew we weren't going anywhere because none of us knew what the hell we were doing. But uh, we just thought it was kind of funny. And so that one's open. If uh, you know, I'll, I'll lease that one out for a very minimal <laughs> charge. It's a pretty good one. It's, a, <laughs> it's, it's different. I'll, I will give it that. Now, it's funny because I did find another Super Karate Monkey Death Car at one point. If you can believe that. Was this a show called Fly, Flying Lines, perhaps? Uh, damn it. I can't remember. I'll, maybe I'll look it up while we're talking. I'm, I'm, I'm IMDb. Oh, okay, right yeah. Tay Leone, oh. IMDb <laughs> Tay Leone. You throw them out randomly, oh, I, I, and, and I'll, I'll let you know if that was it. <laughs> <laughs> First guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was some TV show she was on. Oh, some sitcom. Oh, damn it. She was on one episode of Frasier. No, she was like the the main character. Which I'm I'm actually working my way through the Frasier series right oh, now. I, man, I, I found it on who it's on Netflix now too, but I I'd watched it growing up. Oh, I, it's incredible. It's yeah, it's a perfect sitcom as far as I'm concerned. It's it, right up there with Seinfeld. Yeah, it really and to be honest with you, Seinfeld I I'm I got a little sick of cuz everything I, you watch them so many times, I, I kind of get tired of it. And, I love Seinfeld, but Frasier is slightly smarter or something. It's And I didn't appreciate all of it when I was seeing it as a kid, but uh, revisiting it now, it's like, whoa. Oh, <laughs> they, yeah. Uh, I'll tell you what else. Yeah. The, another one that I, I loved is News Radio. That was oh, fantastic. Yeah. I haven't watched enough of that, but I, I am aware of it, yeah. Oh, that was Joe Rogan. Um Dave Foley, uh, right, Stephen right, Root. Right. Yeah, it was just, the cast was brilliant. It was uh, Phil right, Hartman. That's going to be my next thing. Oh, yeah. Phil Phil Hartman. His character was amazing. Love love some love some Phil Hartman. Are you back? Um, did, you sort of, did you change the diaper or what? No, no, he won't go to sleep. I mean, he's actually laying on top of me now, wanting to talk to Joe. <laughs> <laughs> go on, Ed, that's cool. I'm good with that. You can see them. There's Joe. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so 
So I've got a kid, so I won't be able to answer very many questions because he's got to go to bed. I might have to drop off at some point again, though. No problem, man. You do what you got to do. Right. Family comes first. Right. And I guess we'll try to keep the language PG at this oh, point. Oh, don't. He's only two. He doesn't know what to answer. Oh. Yeah. Good. Well, yes. no. I don't know if you want to give John the reins to that car. <laughs> you don't. That doesn't have gear by John, so it doesn't matter. That'll definitely be a super karate monkey death car. I'm just fighting, trying not to get Coco Melon put on. He's like, well, I want to watch Simple Songs and Coco Melon. Like, nope. <laughs> well, you know what? It's funny. Uh, you guys sports fans at all? I am. Yeah. No. Oh, Baseball. Man. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm a, a hard, hard no for me. <laughs> American football, that is. I'm a huge Washington Nationals fan, and uh, they got nice. Gerardo Parra uh, signed midway through the year, and his his uh, walk-up song, because everybody's got to have a walk-up song now. I don't, I don't know where that came from, but everybody's got to have a walk-up song. So what like he'd, wrestling or something? Yeah, exactly. So every time they come up to the yeah. plate, they play a song. And uh, Gerardo Parra's got a little, his son's like three or four. So every time he comes up to the plate, they play Baby Shark. And <laughs> he comes up to the plate, Baby Shark. Do, 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 baby Shark. Do, 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 do. Don't start it. That won't, that won't stop. <laughs> we'll do a vast. It's play in my head all night now. We can do a vast robot army's cover of Baby Shark. <laughs> that was a thing not too long ago. Everybody was doing a cover of that. Were they, oh, I, I knew the original. Yeah. I didn't know everybody was doing a like cover. Like who? Tool. I, I couldn't think of anybody, but yeah, I'm sure. Uh, Pearl Jam, Tool. Tool. Jordan probably did one. <laughs> Wouldn't doubt it. He just hasn't released it yet. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to be one of his little singles off of the new album. There you go. <laughs> All right, so let's get back on track. So it's the three of you guys, but you don't really tour at all because you guys are on... I, I looked on your site, it's... Four guys, basically three cities, two countries. So that right. makes it difficult to tour. And it's really, it's really three guys. Uh, we, you know, used a different drummer now, and uh, but yeah, it's the three of us are the are are most heavily involved in the writing. But actually, Kelly did. Kelly had a pretty, and I should, I guess Chris did too when uh, we jammed with him. But kind of. Uh, you know, reshaped some things and uh, whatnot, but so definitely an influence from from them as well. But oh yeah, there was a moment with one of these uh, songs that we realized going in that Kelly had changed the entire song around. <laughs> really, <laughs> it was all for a loop. Every one of us, and we had all heard it while the other one was playing it, but it just turned into this little domino effect of oh yeah, he did change that part. Well, and completely I, different. I had been practicing to Jason's demo or whatever. And uh, yeah. had not been practicing to Kelly's drum tracks. So. Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> it was fine. It was fine. We got it. It all worked out. All right. So you guys really can't do a whole lot of touring since you've got other commitments and you're, you're so spread apart. Is, are, how do you support the albums since you guys are far apart, no touring? Uh, is it a lot of social media or is there something else that you guys do? Well, um, yeah, I mean, we rely heavily on social media. I, I mean, we're not a very big band as far as... I mean, we have a small fan base, but nothing crazy. Um, but yeah, I, we, we've talked about doing shows. It's something that we would love to do. Um, it's just kind of finding... The logistics the, to make that work is right. uh, kind of the challenge. 
and I think this this most recent album where you know it, for me anyway I'm like I want to play these songs live so yeah it, it's awesome. definitely something that uh, is an ambition we we would love to play some shows it's just the opportunity hasn't presented itself so so it's you're not it's not like you're just avoiding it completely it's just no it's you know it's in the back of our our minds but um yeah i am not sure how that would work going forward but uh it's definitely something that's been discussed every now and again we'd love to make it happen if we can i'd love to see it happen if you guys could get out to the east coast man i would definitely go to a show if there's if it was you know within a couple hours of me definitely Awesome, but I'm yeah, in DC. Well, so. Chicago, close enough. Uh, <laughs> we will. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I like you guys, but when you go going back to the first album, or actually, I guess the second album, or somewhere in between, when you guys first really met, how did how did it work? Because you guys didn't really know each other very well, and did and most bands grow up, you know. They evolve by playing and jamming together, and, and then you know a couple of years go by and they come out with their first album. You guys kind of did it the other way around. So what's, we did, yes. Did you gel as a band or friends first? Was yeah, it easy? It was, it was. It was definitely unconventional, um, and not like any other band experience I've had, <laughs> um, which I've grown up playing in bands, and uh, you know that's what I love to do. But with this, yeah, it was, uh, we kind of just went into it a little blind on, uh, Joe and I's part. Um, and, and Joe, John and I were fortunate enough to actually be in a band together before this. So right, it right. was a little bit easier for us to coalesce with Which doing we, something we, new as a new endeavor. And we still play in that band together. Um, okay. Yeah. And that's Sundiver. <clears throat> but, uh, the original, not, actually, not the three or four others that have popped up. Yeah. Nothing. Not those guys. Exactly. <laughs> and we're we're actually planning on releasing our uh, Sundiver full length, hopefully around the time this new release from Bastard Robot Armies happens as well, which we're thinking April. So, oh, cool. Hopefully, all that stuff will be kind of happen or happening around the same time. Do you go into the studio with with songs? Well, I I guess you already answered this one. I was going to say with songs full, the ideas in your head, or do you? When you're in the studio, do they change a lot? Do you search for sounds? Or do you, have you had to do anything certain, weird for sounds? Certain songs change a little bit in the studio, but I think that's common in any type of demo scenario or just getting into a studio and working with a different engineer or producer. But uh, the majority of our material, uh, we send back and forth uh, different GarageBand files or Logic files and collaborate on those for several months prior to going into the studio. Um, right. Writing different vocal melodies, reworking different parts that don't really feel right. or um, And whatever. Joe and I, yeah, we'll rework bass lines or guitar lines or whatever. Um, okay. Yeah, and then on this new record, I contributed two songs that I wrote, so that was cool. Um, and Jason kind of collaborated on those with me, which was nice because it was just on the previous two records it was the opposite we were just working on all of his ideas so so by the time you guys got to the studio it everything was pretty much set until kelly screwed it all up <laughs> yeah until <laughs> until he fucked the whole thing up right yeah. all right so I, I okay that makes a lot of sense to me now 
So, now, have you guys had to do anything strange? Like some of the guests I've had on on the in the past have said they've had to uh, one one band to get the the reverb on the vocals to sound the way they wanted to. They the singer stuck his head in the piano and sang in the piano. Uh, I've heard stories we, of like Maynard, like like uh, Sylvia Massey had Maynard Keenan run around the studio like six or seven times to get the, his voice worn out so that he could get the scream that she wanted. Do you guys ever have to do anything weird like that to get the sound that's in your head? Hmm. Um, nothing as elaborate as sticking our heads in a piano, but um, <laughs> I did. I did need to clear. I, you know, vocal sessions always come at the end. Of the recording Joe, tell process. Tell them about the steam. Tell yeah, the steam. so so Doctor Wells took real nice care of me. I'll, I'll let him tell the story. All right, all right. So uh, John was getting a little congested towards the end of the trip. I don't know if it was seasons changing or different environment or whatever. Um, but yeah, uh, vocal cords are fragile, vocal, man. Yeah, he was having like a real squelched voice, and his sinuses were all congested. So we we ended up having to like douse his face and fix vapor rub and having him oh. put a towel over his head and breathe in ginger water just to be able to clear <laughs> there's, out there's, his oh my God. And he there's a pretty like, epic photo of it actually yeah. with uh, Jordan standing in the background just behind a cloud of steam <laughs> <laughs> and I ended up my, working out it I ended had up to hold my face over this pot for like three or four minutes or something with a towel over my head. Oh my God. And you so basically cooked his face a little bit, but it ended up working out. It got all the shit out and he was able to sing again. It really nice. did work. It was, yeah. it was quite effective. And now it's a home remedy that you do uh, just, you know, for fun. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's, what you're supposed to do. If I'm ever yeah. smoking too many cigarettes or yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Just vapor rub, ginger steam and a hot towel. Um, okay, I got. All right, so I have a question for you guys uh, about some I get promo videos that I saw. All right, so Joe, you were I saw a video where you guys you were making some dank ass nachos. <laughs> oh, with some Monterey Jack, some cheddar, Yo. a cream cheese sauce yeah, for the so, chorizo. Yeah. So is there like a Vast Robot Army's cookbook? Maybe on the way. I'll have to be honest with you. That night, I really don't remember how we made those nachos. We we tried to get them. You actually recreated it pretty well. That's true. That's true. Just one night, the video for evidence of what happened that night. (laughs) I I wouldn't have known otherwise. But uh, he's kind of making like a roux over the stove. (laughs) Yeah. Um, He really put his heart and soul into it. Best robot. It was really good, though. But the original video in Chicago, yeah. So we had uh, had a bit of a night out, and uh, Joe Those and are I were just last night in Chicago, right? Before was uh, it the last night? I don't remember. It was either the last night or the night before the last night. Okay. Because I distinctly remember you calling out Jay for falling asleep. Yes. Oh, okay. that's definitely yeah. a video. I, I get really upset. I get really upset when people go to bed early on the last couple of nights of the trip. <laughs> yeah, well, it was like two. You know, I mean, it was only like oh, three o'clock in the morning. Yeah, right. three or four. Right. How's he thinking? Hi there. What's up? It's John. It's Joe from Vast Robot Armies. Uh, coming at you from Chicago. We are cooking up some shit right now at about 2.39 in the morning. 
making fucking dank ass nachos. Uh, Jason's asleep. Being a little bitch. We went out for some drinks. He went to bed early, kind of thing. So here, what do we, what do we have here? Hold on. Uh, all right. What is this, Joe? This is a nice Monterey and mild cheddar cream cheese sauce that will dress our chorizo, onion, bell pepper, nachos. It's gonna be fucking awesome. I'm really excited. I'm excited about it. I'm really excited. Hello. So Joe and I made some nachos. They're delicious. My goal is to eat them before he gets back. Well, bars in Chicago stay open until 5 a.m. So. so it might have been closer to 5 a.m. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Were we at the? What was that one bar? That the Owl Bar? It was the one Eric Abert took us to. Oh, after. God. I don't remember. I don't remember. I, which which again, is really don't interesting. That, um, that bar in Chicago. Uh, I was listening to another podcast. Oh, this is a while How back. You? They, okay, wait, I'm they, back here now, and I'm <laughs> chiming in on this one. First they, of all, it wasn't the last night. It was like the third night there. Okay. <laughs> These two fucking guys. Joe, get your, get your so events in order. Just, I swear it was on the recording that we said that. There's there a bit was, of there was a Mothman sighting at the Owl. Was, I'm, that's all I'm going to say. What? Are you serious? My daughter, my youngest daughter, is a, she loves Mothman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I kind of nerded out on that. Shit a little bit too, and uh, I was listening to another podcast called Astonishing Legends, and they did this whole like four-part episode series on Mothman. Wow! And they talked about this bar in Chicago that we were drinking at one night, and yeah, apparently somebody that worked at this bar like experienced a Mothman sighting, and it was like national news or whatever. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's amazing! My, yeah, my daughter's so. got Mothman stickers on her cell phone case, on her books. She's obsessed with Mothman. It, it's really interesting stuff, I think. It is. She she loves it. She, uh, she's what fourteen, and uh, awesome. She watches um, Mountain Monsters. I think is the I think it's the show. A bunch you of hillbillies. Check out uh, Astonishing Legends. That's a be a great podcast for her I will to listen to. Pass that on to her because she she watches a. Uh, I think it's mountain monsters. A bunch of hillbillies from West Virginia running around the Mid Atlantic looking for freaking Bigfoots and shit. Sure, sure, sure. It's With Bobcat, Goldplate, or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> now that would be a show I would watch. Oh my god! No, Squatch he actually da he he dabbled. He, he dabbled did in the in the whole Bigfoot thing. Yeah. Oh my god! He, he made yeah, like he had a, a he had a Bigfoot movie, didn't he? He made like a found footage film about uh, Bigfoot. It's on. Uh, it's on Amazon Prime. Oh my! Just one dabble in Bigfoot. Yeah. Like it's like <laughs> I dip a toe in the Squatch world. Bob, right. Well, well, yeah. I, I listened to him talk about it on some other podcast, and he was uh, he was talking about how he'd go to the conventions, and he was kind of like one foot in, one foot out about the whole thing. But it really fascinated him. So <laughs> that's insane. I'm just gonna dabble in some squatching. That's right. Yeah, no big deal. No big yeah. deal. <laughs> We dabble in things. Every learning some new languages, and I'm getting into Bigfoot. <laughs> yeah. Got Rosetta Stone. Yeah. Uh, all right. So the dinner music album. I have a question for you. You have a, yep. a great song in there called Commodore. 
and it features Lisa Moses on vocals. Is that somebody you know? Do you guys collaborate with her often, or is that one of the things uh, I always wonder about? Is, is on guest vocals? Is it like like when Soundgarden had that that B side uh, "Touch Me"? They had a lady named Stephanie Barber on. Right. And this is the only thing she's ever recorded. Was this uh, duet she did with Chris Cornell on a B side? But it was. Uh, I guess they were recording it, and the guitarist was kind of bored, so he invited Bruce Fairweather from formerly a Mother Love Bone on down to the studio, and he brought his fiance. She ended up singing on this track. Chris Cornell came in the next day and did his part, not knowing she had done it, and then they mashed the two together, and it ended up uh, on a single. Right. So I'm always curious to see when you guys when when bands have guest vocals, how it comes about, because there's some a lot of times there's weird stories about that. Well, as with a lot of everything that, you know, I've at least been involved with, it's really just, it was social media, like you get into conversations with people online kind of thing. And like, yeah. you know, you like enough of the same sort of things and all of a sudden it turns into a chat and then, you know, they're like, I dig your band and I sing. And that's kind of how it unfolded with Lisa. Like we're just kind of corresponding. And it was one of those things where when I heard that song, I'm just like, this song needs something different to it. Like it just... It's too much me going on. In the <laughs> so, and it was, it was worth a shot and she was into it. So she did it in a studio down there, which um, I think I want to say it's South Carolina, North Carolina. One of the, no, um, I'm totally forgetting now. I'm sorry. West so I don't want to say the wrong thing. Yeah. Central Carolina. <laughs> uh, it's not it added, a, added a great flavor Virginia. to that song. It really did. So, that's it was really nothing more than that in that sense it was just like two people that really liked the same sort of stuff and she was into it and she was uh graceful enough to be willing to do it so it was great it worked out really well i thought yeah i mean it seems like social media is working out really well for you guys yeah <laughs> it certainly is <laughs> so did i ask i think i asked you how you guys got up with, with jordan what was the experience like up in his studio because he keeps telling me that it's it's a great experience he he cooks fantastic meals. I have some. Fa- oh, we cook beers. fantastic wait, 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 meals. Wait, wait, wait. He cooks fantastic meals. <laughs> See, <laughs> he told me. What is he telling you? What lies is he telling okay. you? Now, that's what he, he tells me, but now Kelly tells me his mom will cook you great meals. I'm just kidding. I'm sure she. I'm sure Jordan and his mother are lovely cooks. Yeah, we, we, however, didn't experience any of that. So, so. here's the thing just to frame it all John and Joe. Specifically, John, I would think the terminology foodie is, 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 I don't know about ish. That. But, anyways, I learned early on because I end up cooking all the meals at my house when I'm home. But I learned if I did it just poorly enough, John would take care of it. So <laughs> it was great. So I'd purposely screw stuff up presentation wise, and he would just do it. He uses this method in yeah, other areas all the time progressive. as well. But with yeah. the recording, it was really interesting to be, because um, when you've worked with someone for so long, like with Alan and Eric, you find a rhythm like we would know what we're getting into with Jordan it took a couple days to like really suss each other out and I remember at a certain point like day three I was looking at Jordan like okay I've got you figured out so three o'clock's tea time <laughs> six o'clock is cocktail hour oh yes it's a nice meal like around seven or eight and like you know we John and Joe did a great job like John bartends also so he knows how to make a mean drink so that really I think impressed Jordan to the point where 
by the end of it all, he was just like, you know, you guys are really up the game for anyone that's coming back here. <laughs> like, as far as meals go, like Joe, Joe handled the grill beautifully. Yeah. I want to say he he cooked that rack of lamb. Oh, thank you. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> that was a which which well goes there. back to uh, the the spot in Pembroke Ulrichs that we became obsessed with. Yeah. It was Ooh. this. Uh, it's like a German owned kind of meat market cheese shop. I think that they have prepared foods like prepared sides, just like the best potato salad, the best beets. Just everything was really magical about that place, and um, that's where we actually first ran into Jordan when we first got to town coincidentally as well. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> he hit right. me with the door actually. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it took me by surprise and I was like, Oh, sorry. For some reason I apologized yeah. when somebody was hitting me with the door. I'm sorry for then hitting I, the door with my face. But then I did a double take and I was like, Oh, it's fucking Jordan. <laughs> <I was Yeah. laughs> hey buddy. <laughs> yeah. Man. But it's, as far as the recording, it, it it was amazing. Like once we all kind of found each other's rhythm, like um, oh, it was incredible. He he added so much stuff. Like he he plays, he guested on a lot of different things. Stuff that I'm forgetting. Like we're going back over video footage, going, oh yeah, he did that thing there, or which we we weren't expecting. We, no. um, he just kind of would go over and pick up the guitar and get like, into it. Uh, I've got this. He'd pick up. I remember on one occasion he picked up the, an acoustic 12 string and he's like, Oh, this is in a, some Joni Mitchell tuning. And he's like, I'm kind of, I'm kind of hearing this harmonic thing and this chord over this part. And we're like, dude, do it. Like four <laughs> seconds. In, he, he played four notes. We're like, yeah, those are the four notes. Do that. <laughs> it was all, all around just uh, an incredible experience. Uh, just being out in the country you know, that far into uh, on t- like on the border of Quebec. And uh, it's just nice to get away from the city and, you know, e- everything about the whole experience. He, he was, he was great. So you can't really speak more highly about it. How long did you guys work on each track? Cause like you're saying it was 12 tracks in eight days. Is that right? Yeah. That, I mean, right. that seems pretty We whirling. had a little bit of grace period because we didn't have to mess with the drum day. But, oh, that's um, true. Which, you know, I had mixed feelings about that. Uh, I really enjoyed on the last two records jamming these songs live for a day or two when we, you know, arrived. That's what we did last time. That's actually how we recorded the drum tracks and the bass tracks um, for the previous two records. We just did drum and bass in a room, okay. so... Did so the, it was different, different in that regard. But do the previous two records? Did you have about the same amount of time to record them, or do you use a little more time or less time? Usually it's between like seven and nine days, but usually you only have like six days to do vocals and bass overdubs here and there, and guitars and keyboards and stuff. So it was a, usually it's a bit more of a condensed schedule. Wow! Um, but we wanted this time to like really kind of get into the songs. Like invariably, we'd always be at the last two records. Um, you know, kind of like, oh, I wish we did this kind of thing. I wish we did that. I wish we had more time to kind of like get weird, so to speak, with some of these songs. So it was Stretch nice having this bit. time. Yeah. Um, the one thing I was I was telling Jordan when we we're in there I was like, you need a big white chart where we can write down all the songs and like the tasks mm. stuff. Oh, we we love the whiteboard. We love the whiteboard. We're all about yeah. the whiteboards <laughs> and, and uh, xing, xing things off when you 
get get a guitar track finished or a vocal. Yeah. It's a very you know satisfying <laughs> X that you mark yeah. up on the board. There was an interesting point like two and a half days in where we came in in the morning and like, hey, can we listen back? Because we were just plowing forward like oh. straight through stuff without listening wow. to anything. We knew it was good, but it was like, what is it? Yeah. <laughs> and we had that moment. It was neat because all four of us in the room were like, hey, this is really good. That's <laughs> like awesome. 48 hours later. I, I got to hand it to you guys. If you only have you know, spending that much time on the albums, they sound really lush and well produced musically. It's just they sound like you spent a lot more time than you know a week and a half on them. So I, I well, it's amazing. Well, that, we did spend more time than a week and a half on them. I mean, we spent months kind of forming these songs, and uh, so a lot of that work went. You know, we was already accomplished by the time we arrived there. We're big into the pre-pro kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's I'm I'm loving the albums. I'm fortunately, uh, unfortunately, only coming to you guys recently. But I'm glad I found the band because I'm I'm really enjoying it. The, the sound is right up my alley. So I'm really, really digging it. And I'm gonna have to order one of those um, signed copies of uh, Dinner Music that you guys have. If assuming you have some of those left. Yeah, we had a couple. All right, I'm gonna have to get one of those. So. We had a signed copy. Am I not remembering this? Well, we will have a signed copy that yes. we send to him. I do, I, do have, I do have a pen. Okay. I, have yes. I have yeah. a Sharpie. Yeah. I have a copy of the record. I have a bunch of them sitting in my room. Yeah. Put two and two together, man. Spark gets. Look at that. See? I'm making my name now. Right. Well, guys, where can people find the music? Where can they follow you on social media? How can they keep up with you? Um, so we're predominantly, um, don't have a website. A lot of our stuff's based around the Facebook page, which leads to the Bandcamp page. So we're on Facebook, which is, uh, Vast Robot Armies, Facebook. Um, and we're also on Bandcamp, which is Bandcamp slash Vast Robot Armies. And then we're also on Spotify as well. We're pretty easy to find, uh, yeah. considering a strange name. name. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, given the name, you can find like, it pretty much anywhere. You can Google, just Google it, and yeah, we, there'll be a lot of stuff like that pops up. We're going like 20 pages in Google because of that name, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You guys are the first Vast Robot Army that come up, so. Oh, yeah. We're like literally like three pages deep. Yeah. <laughs> we're like we're an SEO team, marketing team, green. <laughs> <laughs> Almost as unique as Super Karate Monkey Death Card, but. Yeah. Almost. <laughs> Almost. Well, thank you guys so much. I've, I've kept you guys for about an hour. So I thank you so much for spending your time with me, going over all this, because this is what's fascinating to me. I love talking to bands and finding out how you guys get your sound and, and, and where it came from and what you got, what everybody's up to going forward. So yeah. I'm really looking thank forward to the new album. Is there an, you guys have a settle on a name for the, for the new album yet? Oh, yes, about that. Um, oh, boy. That, just, jump that was conversations that. today, actually. <laughs> we spent a, yeah. a good three hours kind of discussing this today. Oh, man. Odd, because usually we don't have a hard time with it, but I think because we like I think we all feel this is this is going to be a, a doozy of a record, so we kind of want to hit it right as far as the uh, album title goes. So there are a couple, 
but oh. we're waiting till we get uh, mixes from Jordan to like sit down and listen to it and say, yeah, that's the name of it kind of thing. Awesome. And you, you said yeah. you're planning on an, like an April release. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So uh, we'll be releasing a single sometime in January and kind of working up towards the April release. Well, that's good. This show will definitely be out before then, I think. Yeah. So I've got a little little queue of people coming in that I've got to release. <laughs> it's not like four months, five, six, seven months worth. So I think we're good. I mean, we'll make it before then. I'm really looking forward to making my way through the other episodes I haven't heard. So. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, you're... You, yeah, you do a good job on here. I, I really appreciate really, that. Really enjoyed the the two episodes I've already listened to. I was actually going to share a story because I realized oh. we haven't shared stories, and I just thought of something actually that John posted. Um, do you have time for a story? Absolutely, I got all the time in the world. You guys, all right, just keep going. Oh, so it's about Troy. Is this, this about, about Troy? Troy? Yes. Oh, our boy yes. Troy. <laughs> so we're staying in an Airbnb just outside of Pembroke in Petawawa, and uh, Petawa what? Exactly. Hey, so, Troy's going to listen to this, by the way. Hey, Troy's going to listen to this. So <laughs> we checked into the Airbnb at day three, and Troy came by the next day to, like, turn on the hot tub because there's a hot tub at this Airbnb, which we're all stoked about. Okay. Troy came in and – Both our Airbnbs. Yeah. Troy came in and kind of rode up the place. Like, it was like, you know, Troy's like – he's a year younger than me, so he's, like, in his mid-40s, and he's all, like – you tell he's just looking for friends. He's telling me he's got grandkids at like 46. I'm just like, oh, dude. <laughs> and like, you know, Troy's the kind of guy that played football in high school and probably crushed beers and this and that. And, uh, so we're all kind of humoring him and having a good time and kind of like, you know, creating fictitious Troy stories in our head after he left, which took about 40 minutes to get him out of the house that we're renting from him. He wouldn't stop talking. He wouldn't so go away. I'd like, you know, Uncle really Rico. Nice jokes for about a day and then the next morning there's a knock on the door at like 8 30 and we, we all have I think to I'm, ro- I'm rolling joints i'm pretty yeah, sure so, at this yeah. point yeah like, <laughs> do- no. we're making rolling joints for the day we were making artwork on the dining room table with like leftover food like we're gonna do an instagram post and like there were like many different canisters of weed and there was a drug box you know I'm leftover say, food we'll call was, it leftover it was food. our yeah. hunter s thompson it box was, that we had yeah, it was very much like frat party house in this nice nice house we'd kind of wrecked it some dank ass so nachos door, thinking it's just yeah exactly it's just someone you know from the neighborhood and i open the door and there's a cop standing right there and instantly, I'm 16 years old at a field party wanting to run in the opposite direction. <laughs> two like, cops, Jay. It was two, two cops. And I look over the first cop shoulder, and that's when I see the second cop. And then it took a second to realize it was Troy, the second cop. Troy neglected to mention he was a cop the entire time. We're like five days, six days in at this point. So I know my face is like white as a sheet. So he's can I come in? I'm like, yeah, it's your house. So (laughs) it's your house. Come in, officer. (laughs) Yeah. I kept in. I'm like trying, and the thing is, weed's legal up here in Canada, so I don't even know why I was so paranoid about it. But it wasn't someone, his house either, though. He yeah. already sold it. Oh, oh that's, that's weird another thing about the whole yeah, deal. That's yeah. true. As he's talking to me, I'm like kind of sweeping stuff off his kitchen island into like cutlery drawers and like putting them. Pocket going, yes, it's a very interesting story you're telling me, Troy. <laughs> no, I am not concealing paraphernalia in my pocket. And, and being Americans, we're used to fearing 
you know, I, we're like, oh, we have weed. This is terrible. Yeah. Like, this is a really bad situation. Can we the fence out back? Do we need to run away right yeah. now? That's what's going through our heads right this moment. Yeah, the Americans thought that one of them wasn't coming back from this story for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and so – you know, I'm so you're like, oh, wait, it's legal here. Okay, yeah, yeah. Cool. Oh, and I'm so, like, not my normal kind of comfortable self to the point where about 10 minutes and I sit down at his table and I look across at Troy and I kind of collect myself and I say, listen, Troy, I got to tell you, I'm not used to seeing a fucking cop. <laughs> and then he laughed and he was really cool about the whole thing. But He was a super nice guy, guy. ultimately, like, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. that was a little bit of a flex I'm move sure, on his part. I'm sure he knew man. what he was like, doing. Yeah, showing up in time. uniform, like, come on, just to make sure we're not destroying his house, <laughs> right? He's like, hey, your uh, your your Airbnb host is a cop, is basically what he was saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so don't fuck, fuck it me. up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's awesome. That's a perfect story to end this. With unless you guys have more, if you guys want to throw yeah. more out, you can always throw more out. I know oh, you guys right got other on. things to do, so I really do appreciate you coming on. Thank you guys so much. Yeah, I got to finish uh, Rosemary's Baby, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think what you're doing is super important, and uh, well, thanks, I, I think it's great. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. it. I really do appreciate it. All right, man. Well, thanks so much for having us, Mark. Uh, yeah, thanks, thanks Mark. Yeah. Thank hey, you so love, much. Love to be back anytime. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.